Deviated Women podcast. This is Priya. And this is Vikram. And today we're going to be interviewing Dr. Prasad Akela, CEO and founder of Drishti. My pleasure to be with you. So, I mean, looking forward to the session, fire away. Our first question, um, in simple words, what problem are you working to solve and how? The basic problem that we are trying to solve is a problem that's looming over mankind right now. You know, as more and more machines and robots become prominent and they start taking on more jobs, uh, the question that we are looking at very broadly is what does mankind do? Right. Uh, So a simple example of that is that uh, once upon a time, you went to the bank and there's a person at the other end called the teller who would talk to you, give you your money, do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But today, you go to an ATM and pull money from the ATM or you go to your online website and you do your transaction on the online website. So you don't need as many people to do those jobs. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that more broadly in manufacturing, in all walks of life, this is, this is a, becoming a bigger and bigger question. And, and what we do right now at Drishti is that we focus on the plant. And in the plant, there actually across the world, there's something like 340 million people helping put together our telephones, our cars, our TVs, our iPads, our cell phones. And the question becomes, how do we make these line operators more consistent and efficient? And really, in making them more consistent and efficient, we are making them more, you know, making their jobs more secure and keeping their their bodies more healthy, uh, even as more robots get deployed. So put simply, we're trying to empower the human being in this increasingly automated world. So that's the charter we have today at Drishti. So, Thirsty, it's not going to replace humans. It's like helping them, right? You absolutely nailed it. I could hug you if you were here. (laughs) Uh, That's exactly what we're doing. Um, You know, there's two ways of solving this this problem, right? So one is you say, you know what, I want more efficiency because everybody wants, you want a shirt, you know, I don't know who your favorite sports team is. What's your favorite sports team? Um. I like the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. Lovely. The Philadelphia Eagles, lovely. So you want, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles T-shirt custom-made for you so it fits just right. You look like a, you know, like a little, you know, a little Philadelphia Eagles fan when you go to school. <laughs> and now the question is, how, how, do you, how do you get that perfectly fitting T-shirt for you, right? And, and Priya, your sister, gets a different size T-shirt. Maybe she's not even care. She doesn't even care about the Eagles. She's got another favorite team, and each of you wants your own T-shirt. And so the only answer we've figured out so far is to put robots on the job. Now, what if you could make people actually do their things more efficiently? Then you can actually have more people working, working more safely, and that's really what we're about. So you're right. Not replacing people with robots, but actually using people better and more wisely. Okay. All right. So speaking of people and their skills, what skills do you use to start your company? And what skills do you use to run it? You know, I'm, a, I'm an engineer at heart. I love problem solving. So 
essentially, I've gone from being an engineer where I started my life to becoming more of a business guy, and I go back and forth. So I'm think of me as a very technical business guy. <laughs> and and the skills, I guess, that I bring to the table really are my experiences in life, uh, experiences with with having worked on the plant floor in robotics and automation. And, you know, if the, you and the kids on this call haven't ever been to an automotive plant, I really encourage you to do that. It's just amazing. Go to a GM plant, a Ford plant, a Tesla plant, wherever you live. And it's, it's just the way cars are built is mind-boggling. So engineering, that love of automation, robots, cars, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going. Uh, the second is, is people. Um, you've got to like people. You've got to be into it because it really takes more than one person to build a company. It actually takes many people. And it takes people of different sorts. So let me give an example. Uh, my colleague Krishnendu and the engineering team are wizards. They are able to put the kind of product we've got together. Uh, all of my investors understand how to build companies from a business perspective. And our customers actually are very helpful to us. They sort of point us to the right problems. So really building a company is about people as much as it, is, as it is about the problem itself. So now I think you had a second part to your question, which I think was how do I run the company? Yeah. Yeah, what skills do you use to run it? You know, the, the, the best skills are to find the best people and let the people run the company. Oh, all right. Hmm? Why? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, you, you like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you, and let's say we're coming up on draft time. You might actually know a lot about the players, their stats. If any, you're like my son, Chirag. He knows every, every stat there is to be known about every single sport in America. It's, it's beyond belief what he knows. Oh. And I actually if I'm putting my dream team together, I'd actually call them up and say, hey, Chirag, I'm putting a dream team together. Help me do that. Because it turns out that one person cannot know everything. And yeah. everybody around the table actually knows something more than I do. So mm -hmm. the trick is to, let, is to first figure out who knows what, how well they know it, and then let them run with it. So to run a business, you need a lot of people skills. Um, in fact, I would argue that is probably more important than your technical skills. Hmm. How do yeah, you? Because people are people. Business? Yeah, go okay. ahead. Oh, so you're talking about people skills and all these different skills that you're currently using and that you did use to start your company. So how did you acquire these skills? Did you study it in school? Or like, what did you study that helped you start your company? I think people skills, you, you, have, you have to pick them up. So some people are natural. They, you know, I don't know if either of you is that kind, but you, you very naturally have a bunch of friends. You, you sort of learn to, to go along with them or to take them someplace they couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't have otherwise gone. Um, and some things you learn. And you can say I'm not exactly a natural. There's some parts of me that are natural people leading, but I've had to learn so much. Um, so that you don't learn in school. No MBA, no engineering school, no undergraduate school will ever teach you that. 
Yeah. You you know, the only, only, what do they call it, the school of life will teach you that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think anybody who wants to build a company should try and jump in sooner than later. You get your head handed to you a few times, and then you go from there. What did you study in school? So I started my life in India. Uh, I went to a school called the Indian Institute of Technology in Madras. It's a a wonderful school. You went to IIT? Yeah, I went to the IIT in a town called Madras, now called Chennai in in, uh, southern India. Uh, And then I came to the U.S. I went to a school called Stanford. Oh, wow. And I got my PhD. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been lucky. So, so I got my PhD in robotics there. And then many years later, while I was working, I went and got my, my MBA from uh, the Ross Business School in, in Michigan. So my wife jokes about that. She says, uh, I'm the lifelong student, and left to myself, I'd probably still sit in school every day of my life. So, <laughs> yeah, I spent too many years in school. What were your, uh, going back in time, what were your favorite tough subjects in your childhood? Uh, do you say tough subjects or my favorite subjects? Two different answers. Favorite, favorite, favorite subjects. Favorite, okay. Too, you don't know. No, no. So my favorite subjects actually were history and geography. Oh, wow, really? I like history too. Yeah. I love it. it I, I, even today <laughs> I read up about history all the time. So who 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 were your favorite history historical characters? Uh, I kind of liked the Roman Empire. It was uh-huh. funny to, it was funny to see all of the things that they did wrong. <laughs> yeah, and how Got it. a big empire collapsed. So so, but my favorite historical characters, uh, my my favorite one is Genghis Khan. Oh, oh yeah, like the Mongol, the Mongol Empire. Yeah, you know why? Why? Because the guy was amazingly, the guy was brilliant. So he figured out a few things. He figured out number one, how to keep an army fed on the road. So they would actually dry meat, and they would ride their horses, and he'd run multiple horses per soldier. And they would race the horses across the, you know, the Eurasian steppes. And they would eat as they rode. They would not sleep. Oh, wow. So what that meant was they could, they could strike with lightning sp- speed. And th- the raw meat gave them energy, the, the most dense form of energy. <laughs> the second thing the guy figured out was that when you get to the other side, they were typically taking on the Turks and the more European kind of people who built castles and sat in a castle. He figured out how to build slingshots to drop, you know, hot oil and, and weapons and, and bombs effectively into the castle. Wow. And what they would do is they would come in on horseback and they would look around and, you know, take down the local trees to build those, those um, catapults uh, at short notice, very quickly. So before the enemy had a chance to regroup, they would be there, they'd build it, they'd lob bombs into the castle and take them out. Oh. 
And, the, and it's efficient. And the you third don't have to carry anything with you. You yeah. build it right there. Exactly. Which is, that's exactly. So you you could move fast, and you you had horses, and you had food. You were done, right? Yeah. Yeah. All you really need. And the third thing he did, the third thing he did was amazing from a people perspective. You were asking me about people a few minutes ago. Was that his, he would marry the local women, and his 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 genitals would marry the local women and have kids. Like now, guess what? Him. You're not going to go kill the husband, the father of your kids, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so he would effectively set up a social order that gave him control while he went to the next, fought the next war, the next 100 miles away. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, so, he, so that's a detour, but he was my total favorite, uh, even today. <laughs> so... Genghis Khan effectively made beef jerky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's some stat there that says something like 30% of mankind has a DNA for that reason. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't remember the number. Don't very quote me on that number, but some number. Yeah. Yeah, very effective. And you know, you were asking me earlier, how does this tie to business, right? Mm-hmm. It teaches you the speed, the importance of speed when building a new, new company. Hmm. Wow. It teaches you to improvise. It's, you know, the standard way may not be the right way to build a company. So you ask yourself, what choices do I have? How quickly can I experiment? How do I fail on several of them? And then how do I, the ones that work, how do I double down and push faster? Hmm. So, so Genghis Khan was an entrepreneur in that sense. He just was an entrepreneur who built an empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So... Um, other than reading up on Genghis Khan and history, what were your other things that you did for fun? Any hobbies that you had or still have even? Are you, okay, so, so I'm no sportsman, I'll tell you that, okay? <laughs> um, my, 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 my biggest claim to fame was I played on my, my high school table tennis team, but not a whole lot more than that. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but as you probably can tell, um, reading has always been a big part of my life. So my favorite books, if you will, growing up as a child, were the Asterix and Oblix comics. Are you, are you familiar with them? I don't think so. No? No. Okay, get your dad and all the kids on the show, get your dads and moms to take you to the local library and lay your hands on Asterix and Oblix comics. It's by two geniuses, uh, Goskini and Uderzo, if memory serves me right. And the beauty of their comics, they were originally written in French, I think. The Belgians wrote the comic book in, in, in French about Julius Caesar and, and, and the Romans. And you were, ta- you were saying you like Roman history, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's about Julius Caesar trying to conquer France, Gaul, as they call it, and, and England. Oh. And this little village uh, where, for whatever reason, they had access to the superpower, to a special drug that gave them superhuman power. Wow. And so if you're a little kid reading it, it's a beautiful comic book, fantastic illustrations. <laughs> but if you grow older, you will see there's lots of little statements about history built into it. Okay. So you might remember when Julius Caesar was stabbed by Brutus uh, in Rome. Yeah. He says, et tu Brute. And, and the same thing, you will, see that, you, know, you will see that kind of text woven into the comic. But as you get even older like me, uh, you will see there are lots of puns 
in, in, in the comic. And was, you just have to keep, you have to be on your toes as you read the comic book. Uh, but what's my, even more pure genius, yeah. sorry, go ahead. It's okay, go ahead. So but the even greater genius of these guys is those books are translated from French to English and to Spanish into 14 other languages. Uh, well, the names of the, of the guys and the puns were moved over. Oh. <laughs> so if you're reading in French, you have French character names and French puns. In Spanish, the same. It, it takes pure genius to do that. So those guys are totally my heroes when it comes to reading books. I have the entire series. Every Christmas break, I sit and read all 34 books of those. Oh. So that's my – I think there are 34 today. I've lost track of the number now, but that's what I do. <laughs> so um, my favorite comics are actually Calvin and Hobbes. Yep. Have you read those? Absolutely have. <laughs> I just got... I'm going to encourage you. Oh, sorry, what? I'm going to encourage you to go from Calvin and Hobbes to Asterix. <laughs> yeah, I just got a Calvin and Hobbes sweatshirt for my birthday. <laughs> nice, nice. I got a couple of those at home, too. <laughs> so... Yeah, my other favorites are spaghetti westerns, by the way, but we won't talk about spaghetti westerns now. Sorry, what was that? Spaghetti Westerns. These are movies. Oh, Spaghetti Westerns? Yeah. Google them. Uh, check out, uh, what is that movie? Uh, it's called My Name is Trinity. Oh, okay. okay. These, these are totally slapstick co- movies. No content in them. Just a ton of fun. All right. Well, we've been looking for something to watch, so we can add it. Yeah. There you go. You got it. <laughs> so... Were there any specific incidents or people that were turning points which helped you in your journey? I know you've mentioned a lot about your childhood. Is there anything else in your childhood or maybe during like your teenage years or early adult years? Yeah. yeah um, hmm. So you know what it, it you know they say uh, it, you know life's a journey and they say that it takes a, a village to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. So I think I was very fortunate uh, that. There truly was a village around me. I, I grew up in a, in a very enchanted place called the Indian Institute of Science, um, which oh. is India's premier uh, university, even better than the IITs in some sense. Really? Yeah, if you ever go to Bangalore, have your dad drive you down. It's a beautiful campus. And so we had lots of very interesting people streaming through the house all the time. My dad was a professor there, so I grew up in, a, in an academic home. So uh-huh. if you ask me, any people, clearly my dad, uh, my parents, uh, particularly my father, had a tremendous influence on me. I would say he's probably the brightest person I've ever met in my life. I, you know, I've been to good schools. I've been, worked in fantastic companies. But I think he, I'd say he's, he was the brightest person I ever met. Uh-huh. And so I would say he's the single biggest influence on my life. Um, but there was another person, there have been a couple of other people. I want to, you said childhood, so I'll pick on one other person uh, who had a big influence. Um, this gentleman was my father's classmate in high school and in university, in Banaras Hindu University. And in 1971, I was less than 10 years old, 
I remember visiting his house in Hyderabad, and he had just started a company. And the company's name was Doctron Castings, and they made parts of trucks for a company called Ashok Leland. And I remember the first time seeing a house, a company started out of a home. It's like, you know, I live in in Silicon Valley. We talk about startups coming out of the garage. There was literally coming out of the house. And this gentleman was a material, what you'd call a material scientist, a metallurgist. And every time I looked up Uncle B.G. Sastri, all the way through my engineering years and since, he would take me on a special trip through his plant. Oh. And I was a little kid. I was 9, 10, you know, growing up at that time. Yeah. And he exposed me for the first time in my life to what it meant to start a company and to build a company and the sacrifice it takes to do that. Um, So I would say from a company building perspective, he and my my father's uncle, who was uh, the chairman of the uh, Andhra Bank, which is one of the big banks in India, were the two pivotal guys, people. And this gentleman, there's a company called Reliance. I don't know if you know Mm -hmm. Reliance. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know Reliance. (laughs) Yeah, so Reliance, Dhirubhai Ambani, when he was starting out, uh, uh, my father's uncle, Mr. Gopal Rao, was one of his first bankers. He was one of the people who first put money into into Reliance. Oh, wow. And and I landed up one summer as a 16-year-old, if memory serves me right, being his chauffeur. He spent the summer with us. And and he entrusted his Fiat car to me and said, you will drive me around. (laughs) And for the first time, I saw what being an executive was because he absolutely was utterly prompt, beyond prompt. He stood up ramrod straight. He was 60-something by then. Um, And when he walked into a meeting, you could see he was there to run the meeting. Um, and he was very clear what he wanted from each meeting and just plain direct if, if he wasn't happy about something. And it was just an eye-opening experience to to be his sidekick, if you will, watching all of the drama for a month. So, so those are some of the kinds of people who impacted me when I was in my teen, teen, you know, in my youth. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, to my younger self. Okay. Um, I'd I'd say do what you love, love what you do. And the second thing I tell myself is find friends, the kinds of friends who will push you, who will challenge you, but yet will be good friends. Yeah. And the third is you can't plan life. So... Go with the flow. Let's you know, serendipity take over. Um, yeah. Like roll with the punches. Roll with the punches, exactly. Because, you know, the world is changing. The world I grew up in is very different than the world you were growing up in. Mm-hmm. Oh. In fact, the world I, I grew up in is different than the world I live in today. So if, if I simply close my mind and I say I'm going to only do this, I'm walking away from so many wonderful choices that sit in front of all of us. You know, I wanted to be a professor growing up, right? I wanted to be a professor growing up. My wife wanted to get her PhD, so when we were moving back from Japan, 
we had to find a place where she could get her PhD and I could go work. And, and I turned down academic offers thinking I'd go back to being a prof. Uh, it turned out I landed up building out something fantastic at GM. And I said, you know what? This is great. So I went and got an MBA and I became an entrepreneur. If you had asked me when I got my PhD what I'd do, I'd say professor. So if you aren't open, uh, you'd miss out on some fantastic opportunities in life. Yeah, actually shifts those into our next question. Um, in your view, what would you um, have school kids do to prepare for the future? You know, I have two kids, and and the way I've, I've for good or for bad, I don't know how. You know, I'm going to see how my kids turn <laughs> out, but um, I, I I think people get too stressed about school too early in life. I oh. think childhood should be enjoyed. Uh, you should read books, you should go play games, you should make friends. Yeah. And that's that that's the way life should be till you get to high school. I know Priya you're getting to high school and this is oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> exciting stuff, but you really got to explore, right? And it's funny you would ask me what does it take to build a company and run a company and it's mostly about people. So when do you learn about people? You learn about people when you're in school. Mm-hmm. You make friends, then you lose the friend. You make, you know, you're upset with the friend. You, you sort of learn to go back and sort it out with the friend. Yeah, All of yeah. those things happen in the business world, right? Mm-hmm. You learn to form a cricket team or a, or a baseball team. Somebody becomes the leader of that team. Yeah. Some people say, you know what, I'm a great pitcher. I have no interest in doing anything else. And you learn to to find what you love. All of that happens very naturally when you're growing up. And that's what you should focus on. Now, when you get to high school, of course, things start changing, especially in America. And I would say in high school, you have to explore. Um, You know, you don't know if you want to, you know, growing up for me, you either became an engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's the way India was when I grew up. But, you know, today, I talk to the friends of my, my, the kids of my friends in this so many things these kids do that just blow me away. So I'd almost say high school is about exploring, being open, and uh, you know, figuring out what you like. And, I, and I'd say much of that even goes into college because American colleges let you explore. Um, that's mm-hmm. what I'd say. Just go have fun, explore, and make good friends. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was as did I, as did I. You guys asked some great questions. You got me thinking. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.